The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson. Come to you live at youtube.com slash cover three and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come and join us in the chat. Uh, these days in college football are why we wanted to start doing instant reaction shows. Why we wanted to get some of you in with us live because uh, back in the day, sometimes we'd wait till Monday. Mm-mm-mm-mm. A day like today, you can't wait till Monday. We, we used to wait till Sunday. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Day like today, you can't wait till Sunday because this is one of those days in college football that makes the sport so great. One of those weekends that makes the sport so great because just in terms of on the field, we had miracles that we have not seen since the 1980 Olympics going down in College Station, Texas A&M scoring 30 (laughs) points. We had miracles that we have never seen before. South Carolina beating back-to-back top 10 opponents. Congrats to Shane Beamer and yikes, Dabo. USC enters the national title chat, not just the Pac-12 title chat. And Caleb Williams, he struck that Heisman pose and maybe locked up that Heisman trophy. We'll get into that. Uh, Road bow reared his ugly head once again. The Ducks in a little bit of trouble. They now have their eyes on the uh, ongoings in the Apple Cup right now. But gentlemen, oh yeah. also we've got coaching news that has just been unfolding left and right. If you joined us along with C.J. Mosley earlier in the day, then you know, we got a chance to weigh in a little bit on the Hugh Freeze to Auburn, Lane Kiffin staying at Ole Miss. Since then, we've got Kenny Dillingham, the Auburn offensive coordinator, being linked up to the Arizona State job. 
Uh, lots more on the coaching carousel that honestly we might not even get to because this was such a busy weekend on the field. But we have to begin with the most uh, the most momentous on the field result, which was Michigan's win against Ohio State in Columbus. The Wolverines looked better prepared. They executed better. The Wolverines went into Ohio State's house and they got their first win in Columbus since 2000. First back-to-back wins in the series since 1999 and 2000. Jim Harbaugh's got a winning record against Ryan Day. This is a generational victory for the Michigan football program. Tom Fernelli, you were live blogging this game. I want to let you get first word on it. I want you to kind of lead this discussion because I know you were dialed into to sort of every single moment of this before we start to pick it apart and what it means because this one, this one felt like one big chapter of sort of a page-turning day in college football. I have a lot of thoughts on this, so if I just get going, feel free to interrupt me. Um, no, it's first, funny to write a little bit, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, first of all, like, it was clear what Ohio State's game plan was, and early in the game, it was very effective. Like, Blake Corum starts for Michigan, runs the ball twice on their first three plays, leaves the game, never comes back. Donovan Edwards is wearing like a club on his hand, which kind of makes him somewhat, you know, susceptible to losing control of the ball when he's trying to hold it. But Ohio State is just overloading the box, daring Michigan to try to throw, you know, beat us with the pass. It's daring J.J. McCarthy to move the ball vertically, which J.J. McCarthy has struggled to do all season long. McCarthy is at his best when he's rolling out of his pocket to the right and firing those kind of like short to intermediate crossing routes. He's very accurate on those. When he's forced to stay in the pocket or pushed 20, 15, 20 yards down the field, his accuracy suffers a lot. And that was the case for most of the first half. Then in a third down situation, Ohio State goes to cover zero, sends everybody. McCarthy backpedaling just kind of flings a prayer to Cornelius Johnson along the sidelines who breaks one tackle, and there is nobody left. So he takes off for a 69-yard touchdown. Next drive, Ohio State goes, gets field goal. Michigan comes back, touchback on the kickoff. Very first play, post route, Cornelius Johnson against cover, cover one. It's nobody back there. McCarthy hits him in stride, 75-yard touchdown. And McCarthy finished the game. like He was only 12 for 24, but Michigan looked at Ohio State saying to it, we dare you to throw and said, okay, we're going to try. And we're either going to, you know, we're going to die trying. It's either going to work or it's going to not. And it worked often enough that Michigan won the game. And then I think also more importantly, Michigan's offensive line was fantastic today. They Mm. struck early, but they really kind of took control of this game as it went on. The pressure that Ohio State needs to to get on quarterbacks to play the way that it likes to play was not there. That left a susceptible secondary in coverage for far longer than it should have been. And J.J. McCarthy was able to make the throws. I think defensively, Michigan made some adjustments at halftime and just completely suffocated the Buckeyes in the second half. And I think one of the things that strikes me, I think defensively, Ohio State's very physical. I think on offense, they're soft. I think that so much of what they do is predicated on finesse, timing, 
accuracy and precision. And when it works, goddamn, it is gorgeous. It is beautiful. They move the ball. They score a ton of points. But who are the three teams that they struggled the most against this year? Notre Dame, Northwestern, and Michigan. The three teams that aren't afraid to just kind of muddy it up, punch you in the face, and try to, you know, just wrestle you. And they 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 didn't do well against it. They struggled against it. And I think that's just one of those things. It's like I don't know. It's it's something I think they need to address. I think they need to get a little more physical, a little more smash mouth. It's funny because I'm sitting there thinking, you know, how a couple of years ago talking about man the problem with jim harbaugh's michigan program is they're too old school they're too smash mouth they need to modernize they need to need to get a little more rpo in there they need to bring a little more passing attack to it and just just do what alabama did now i feel like ohio state has to do the opposite i think ohio state's gone too far in one direction and kind of needs to get more of a run game in its in its offense and i know part of that Trevion Henderson's been hurt and banged up. They've been banged up at the running back all season long, but I always feel like Ohio State just abandons the run when it really needs to kind of lean on it. And I don't know. I've got more thoughts. Please, somebody start talking. So well, I, I, uh, I have a couple like, like, like counters to that potentially. I actually think this Ohio State team was a good bit more physical this year than it was last year. I mean, the, this game for Michigan really, to me, was about explosive plays. Guys, they had 360 yards on five plays. On the other 54 plays they ran, they averaged 3.0. Mm-hmm. Right? Like on a down-to-down basis, Ohio State's defense was pretty damn good. On five plays that just had an incredibly large magnitude, they were terrible. Right? And you had the missed tackle. You had the the one really bad blown coverage. You had the, I thought, a pretty pivotal play where you had the back throw of the pass, on the, which was a great play. I thought Michigan made better adjustments throughout the game early on when Ohio State was, was doing a, a lot of motion and a lot of slanting that was getting the Michigan's offensive line, but they did adjust to that. And, and one of the reasons I think why you saw all of the uh, you know the explosive runs, which I mean again there weren't that many, just the size of them when they actually hit were tremendously big, was because of the extent to which Ohio State was loading the box right. And if you have just kind of common sense here, if you have a lot of guys up in, in one small area, once you clear that first level, you're that much quicker mm-hmm. to clear the second level. So nobody's really back there to tackle you. I mean, to me, this was a pretty close game for like 50 minutes, right? And then Ohio, and then Michigan, the last 10 minutes, just absolutely blitzed these guys and destroyed them. And it was really impressive to see the Wolverines flip that switch. If they played again, I'm not really convinced this goes the same way, to be honest. Right, like this could easily go differently. Ohio State had a chance to I mean, get up just, really big early. They just beat them by twenty-two on the road without their best player. Are you sure. that sure it's going to go differently? No, I'm no, I'm not. I'm not sure it's going to go differently. What I'm saying is, I'm not sure it goes the same. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it's that what they just did is very tough to do to hit five plays of that big, okay, and not do much on their other plays. That's that's not easy. I agree with you that Ohio State is much more physical on the defensive side of the ball. I don't think they're more physical on offense. I think that Emeka Ibuka and Marvin Harrison are physical on offense when they're battling for the ball, but that's really about the only thing about the Ohio State offense that feels physical to me. I think everything else is just about trying to make space and make the perfect play instead of just grinding it out when you need to grind it out in games like that. I mean, I don't know. It's... 
I just feel like at times, like I said, when it's working, it is gorgeous. But at times, it just feels like they need to be, if it's not perfect, they struggle. Anytime there's kind of adversity, they struggle. We saw it last year in the Oregon game, like when they were playing from behind and they had to, you know, it's like they struggled, they press. We saw it last year against Michigan when they get behind and they struggle, they press. Today when they got smacked in the face, they struggled, they press. It's something that I think is a serious concern for them. It's not going to affect them in 90% of their games. But if you want to win the Big Ten and you want to get to the playoff and win national titles, it's something they got to figure out. Gonzaga-ass football team. <laughs> yes. Metrics love them. Look at all their space and their analytics. Oh, they're so good. They're so flashy. They got all this talent. And what happens when you get hit in the chest, huh? Now, I be, look, so I was going to – I didn't want to interrupt, Tom, because you were in totally in the zone. But we were complaining about Michigan being too smash mouth. How much of this is also the pendulum of football? What do you mean? I, it, I believe – that at some point, as our linebackers get tinier, mm-hmm. we are going to start swinging back to like the physicality has to matter again. And being able to take advantage of the hash marks at the college game is different than anything else, and I understand that and the, and the geometry of it. But just the, the, the size of these players as they've gotten tinier to keep up with up-tempo offenses and to keep up with the spread, when you've got these teams that just want to come out and mash you, is that an advantage? Uh, yeah, I don't think it's the pendulum has swung that far. I I think that this is, I think Michigan is built to do this. I think this team's been built, and this defense that they play has been built to counter what Ohio State does. I don't think this was by accident. And they're talented enough to where they're going to win most of their other games against other teams who, especially in the Big Ten, are either playing a very similar style but just don't have the talent to do it or just aren't as good. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I feel like they're built to be the one team that can stop Ohio State and that it's working. And I also think that it helps when you have Victor Oluwatimi at center who better win the trophy because, my God, he was just... I mean, that's a very good defensive line and a very good interior of the defensive line. And he was having his way most of the day. And both of those, like, long Donovan Edwards runs, he was the one who sealed the hole and opened it up and just made the plays happen he was just phenomenal today i mean i was gonna say like i i don't think they mashed them i thought they hit explosive plays they they had two runs that went for 160 yards combined on their other 33 carries they had 92 yards right like on a down-to-down basis ohio state did not get mashed it was the explosive plays that really did this for the wolverines and that's something they haven't really shown this year to be honest like it's a tremendous trick that they waited for 11 games and about 20 minutes, you know, to, to, to just pull this out. But that's what they did. Like, they've not done this really all year. This has been yeah. really like it's that was wild. And it was I cool to see. I can't remember the exact numbers, but I included it in my story. Michigan came into the game with like a 14.3% explosive play rate in the passing game, which ranked like 86th nationally. And today it was at 20.8%, which would rank 7th nationally. It's tied with where Oregon had been. That's the kind of difference they had in the passing attack today. So let's talk about the Ryan Day thing. What Ryan Day thing? He's not on the hot seat. He, but, 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 but there's not much difference between what a hot seat means and what Ryan Day is facing going into 2023 because there are three goals at Ohio State 
beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, win a national title. They're reasonable about the national title thing. If you're not, it's really hard to do. So if you're not winning a national title, it's okay. As long as you're beating Michigan and winning the Big Ten. It's two straight years Ryan Day hasn't beat Michigan or won the Big Ten. If they don't beat Michigan next year and they don't win the Big Ten, maybe it's not a hot seat, but I'm telling you right now, they're going to pull the trigger on Ryan Day. Next year. No, if he doesn't like, beat Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. After next season, if he doesn't beat Michigan or win the Big Ten, they are going to move on. I just, I found this amazing. Uh, Tom and I have been talking about this. There is this amazing. Are you on board with this too? Like, like that sounds kind of insane to me. Uh, I, I, why is that insane? LSU fired a coach two years after he won a national title. This is Ohio State. Okay. If Ryan Day decides he wants to go, uh, like, have some public embarrassments and, and, and go five and seven, then that's a little bit different, right? But uh, there again, there are three goals at Ohio State, and he's not accomplishing any of them right now. They're not, they're not. And another thing, too. Why does everybody think Ohio State doesn't have high expectations? I don't know, but you notice how Ryan Day's two best seasons with Ohio State were his first two when he was still kind of playing with Urban Meyer's players? And now, as he's moved on, he's got plenty of talent on the offensive side of the ball. The secondary hasn't gotten better. How many how many corners and defensive backs was Ohio State turning into the NFL under Urban? And Where are those be, guys right and, now? And look, and to be fair, I am not saying that this is a reasonable judge no, I don't think it's reasonable day. at all. I just I think it's think reality. It, I, I am not. I am not at all um, trying to say that that is a reasonable reaction to these results. Correct. I am just judging based on I don't know the history of former Ohio State coaches when they can't beat Michigan, even though they're still fielding very successful teams otherwise, but they can't beat Michigan. And Ryan Day has a losing record to Michigan, like John Cooper. Correct. Who got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. What, 14 seasons? Yes, but when were those seasons? Uh, 88 to 2000. And how much money was on the line back then? I'm guessing that Ohio State was paying their guy in the same percentile that they are now, but clearly more now. Yeah, the Big Ten wasn't making a billion dollars a year. The playoff wasn't paying them even more at that point. Let's for, let's not forget though. Ohio State did not fire John Cooper after he went eleven and one, lost to Michigan, or after he went eleven and one, or ten and three, and lost to Michigan again. It was six and six and eight and four that got him out. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, if they don't beat Michigan next year and they don't win the Big Ten, I'm not saying I think it should happen. I'm saying it's, it's don't like the be John surprised Brophy. when listen, it does. Listen, I, this is this is bad. I should not be bringing all this college basketball nonsense to this podcast, but it's like the John Calipari Kentucky conundrum. You have a horrible season, but then you lose to St. Peter's and you come into the next year and it's like, it's not a hot seat, but it is a like, don't mess up kind of year. And that's kind of, it's like not fair. You're an inc- like, you are one of the best coaches in the game. But, During the postgame show on Fox, outside of Ohio Stadium, as Urban Meyer sitting on set, breaking down the game, Ohio State fans are behind him chanting, bring back Urban. That's just the way things are. They're not beating Michigan. They don't want you there. We'll see. Lots, lots to get to. Don't, don't lose. How about this? Don't get beat also by that margin, and don't get beat in that way. Because this is yeah. too years in a row that Michigan has put up 40 plus 
and beat you in a game that Ohio State, by the end of it, was not competitive. Mm-hmm. Which those are embarrassing losses. By the way, yeah, like we're we're talking a lot about Ohio State, obviously, but let's talk about Michigan now because they beat Ohio State by twenty-two. How much did they beat Penn State by? Like twenty-four. Yeah, twenty-four. So their two primary competitors in the Big Ten East, they beat by twenty-two and twenty-four points. They beat Michigan State by twenty-two points. Maryland is the team in the East that gave Michigan the biggest challenge. Like. Next year, when it comes to our preseason predictions for the Big Ten East, we better not be picking Ohio State. I'm sure we will be. I, no, but, I, I, I don't think we, we, we would be. Like, even if Ohio State had won this year, look, look what Ohio State loses off this team, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I, I kind of feel like this was Ohio State's year to really do something because it was very clear Michigan had a ton coming back for 23, as does Penn State, to be honest. And that's another aspect to the Ryan Day thing because – there are a lot of questions about 2023. Like we know Marvin Harrison's going to come back because the world is not just or fair, and he has to. <laughs> but like, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be yet. Is he on the roster? Is he going to come via the portal? I don't know. And it's you're looking at a Michigan team where if JJ McCarthy, I don't know, I'm not. He didn't take a leap today, but if that's a sign of things to at least possibly come, and if Drew Alar is a guy that kind of steps into a bigger role in the Penn State offense next year. We don't know that Ohio State's going to have the best QB in the division. Right. Um, Recruiting-wise, something to consider here. They do have Rayola coming in. And Rayola early on appears to be like one of those dudes who's just mm-hmm. like far and away. Like, a, like we had Caleb Williams, number one, right? That's in the 2024 class. I don't care if they lose to Michigan next year. Unless they just completely fall apart, they're not firing Ryan Day. We, we we should show about that. Oh, look, I like it would I think it would take like a losing record for them to fire Ryan Day after next year. There there needs to be a difference between me making a prediction that Ryan Day is going to get fired by X date to me being able to bring out the palpable negative reaction from Ohio State fans who are furious with Ryan Day in this moment. And be able to say, okay, I think this will linger. What are the impacts of that lingering? That's I that is what I want to vocalize because I believe that the the passion and the expectations within the Ohio State program uh, don't always match in the same way that when people outside of Michigan were saying, like, why doesn't Michigan move on from Jim Harbaugh? And I was telling you, I was like, you don't get Michigan football mm-hmm. then. Because all Michigan football cares about is running a scandal-free program with good graduation rates and keeping the donations up and keeping everybody happy within the family. And as long as you're doing what you need to do and winning your home games, you're going to be good. And they stuck with Jim Harbaugh, and it has paid off. But if everybody had reacted to the outside as he was losing game after game after game to Ohio State, then they would have gotten rid of Jim Harbaugh. If every single time a former Michigan football player had been like, we got to get Jim Harbaugh out of here just because they lost to Michigan State, then they wouldn't be in the college football playoff for two years in a row. So it's, I don't know. I, 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 per, I mean, Chip and Raleigh, North Carolina is not going to be able to speak to this uniquely. My grandmother was a professor at Ohio state, but that's not my unique insight into this, but he's like, got an in, yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I think that uh, it is important with us in this conversation to make sure that we let 
all the different perspectives of this be shown. And Tom and I were definitely seeing within our own little workspace as like, but you guys don't get it, do you? You you guys don't understand our state. They they want this. It's, it's the SEC of the Big Ten. Um, that, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, congratulations to Michigan. I, I didn't mean to totally hijack this with the Ryan Day thing, but Michigan is set again. They are going to play Purdue in the Big Ten championship game. I expect they will win that game. And I expect that they will enter the college football playoff as either the number one or number two seed in the college football playoff and have a chance to go compete for a national championship. They're in regardless, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Unless they get absolutely embarrassed next week. Next week's SEC, Big Ten, and maybe even Pac-12 at this point. Loser still I don't know if USC will get that same kind of credit with two losses. USC has a loss and TCU has zero losses. Oh, excuse me. TCU, not not USC. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. TCU, I, I think, is now in the playoff, even if it loses. Unless it yeah. gets just totally, like, just, you know, walked. Right. I think our three 12-0 teams should. They should, should be. Yeah. I'm not ready to... I'm not ready to say TCU is guaranteed yet. Yeah. Not saying it's my opinion of what should happen. I'm just saying I'm not ready to say it's guaranteed. Okay. Because, but we know what we know what CFP wants. They want ratings. They don't want the best teams or most deserving teams. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like for, for Harbaugh to have the recruiting class, take a hit, lose both coordinators, lose a bunch of really good guys off that team last year. Interview for the Vikings. Right on exactly. National Signing Day, and and run it back is is just damn impressive. And <laughs> if they get the passing game going, right, and I mean like more than just one week and, and more than just a couple, you know, wide open bombs, if they're able to to throw the football better, like early in this game, is what McCarthy has looked like for the last month. Mm-hmm. Late overthrowing stuff, having trouble coming off the first read, all that kind of stuff going on. If they're able to get him better if he can play to his potential that's a really scary team like if, if they can do that over the next month as they get ready for the playoff then they they could go win this thing right this georgia team is a damn good team it's not exactly what they were last year when they stomped michigan so i'm i'm really excited to see what they can do with the month here because they're clearly really well coached and they have great player development uh deserving amount of time a big chunk of it given to this game that featured the uh, two of the top three teams in the entire country. Now let's get to, well, how about this? I'll, I'll give you, give you your options. Um, we can go LSU at five and go LSU, Texas A&M. We can go uh, Clemson, South Carolina. Uh, we can go Oregon, Oregon state. I don't know. Let's USC. Oh yeah. USC, Notre Dame. I mean, <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, this, uh, oh, bud, what, what did you have like heavy eyes on this one? Yeah, I watched this whole thing. Um, okay. I, I, I had two TVs going to my wife's obviously in LSU grass. She was watching the LSU game. Um, Caleb Williams and Drew Pine had the same quarterback rating tonight or damn near. I think Pine was actually a little bit higher throughout most of the game. That did not really tell the story of this game. Okay. Caleb Williams his ability to get out of pressure 
move around like Patrick Holmes and throw absolute darts down the field, sometimes even into fairly tight windows, was the difference here. I mean, it's 18 of 22, no turnovers, two touchdowns through the air, three touchdowns rushing. But to me, like the main key here, and the reason why he's going to win the Heisman now, I think I think he actually has it wrapped up unless he just totally falls apart against Utah, which is doubtful because Utah's defense this year is not particularly great. Um, was just getting out of pressure and avoiding those mega sacks. Like Tom talked about this a couple weeks ago, how sometimes he takes these really, really big sacks. And Tom's right. Tonight, I think he only had one of those. And standing around in the pocket that long, he's he's just like he's like setting these guys up. It's it's like like trying to juke your toddler, right? He's like, okay, go, come on, come on, come on, loop, loop around, boom. It it was it was pretty special. I also thought that USC's defense deserves some amount of credit here for making Notre Dame throw the football on them. Uh, like Notre Dame ran the ball okay, but they had a lot of tackles for loss or just run stuffs. They threw the ball exceptionally well. I think Pine was like fifteen and fifteen to start out, but they did have a couple of crucial turnovers. Uh, one of which it was definitely like forced, if, if you want to use the term forced. I mean, it, it was they flushed Pine. He was scrambling for his life. He threw, threw late back over the middle, and it got picked to basically seal it. Notre Dame was the team that was not as good in the red zone, and I mean, USC won a game in which they allowed like seven and a half yards of play, and. What, what, what they give up? Twenty three points, twenty four. Really wasn't a ton. So, mm-hmm. very impressive effort, I thought, by Caleb here, and having Addison back, huge as well. They they, they got Addison soloed on that freshman corner a couple times for the Irish, and uh, guys, that did not go all that well for uh, for Notre Dame. Unsurprisingly, yeah. it's the thing with Caleb Williams that I'm learning that I've learned all year. I don't care what his numbers are. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like you'll right. see after the game, and they'll be like, "Oh, he's 50. Like, if you don't watch it, you'll just box him and be like, oh, "He only completed fifty-four percent of his passes," and blah blah blah. And then you watch the game, and it's like, "Oh my god, this is the most amazing fifty-four percent completion rate I've ever seen in my entire damn life." And you're you're right because like everybody gets compared to like Patrick Mahomes now. It's like he's Mahomesy and throws, and he's can throw off platform and blah blah blah. What Caleb Williams does on a regular basis is the most Mahomes-like stuff that I've seen from anybody in a long, since Mahomes. I mean, he's the only one I've really seen that kind of does the same stuff. It is very, very entertaining. It's very fun to watch. He's very special. And this team is very dangerous as long as he's under center or in shotgun. The the chat is saying that I'm not giving enough credit to USC here. I think I just said we roll the tape. USC was awesome. And guys, like Notre Dame over the last month is an improved team. So like that to me was actually a really impressive win for them to, to have a multi-score win over the Irish. Um, I mean, Notre Dame's last score was was late. So I, I'm i impressed. So, so that this kid's is, special. This is my burning question here. It, it seemed like Notre Dame was hanging around. Was that a problem or was that like you were talking about, you know, Drew Pine being able to make some tough throws and, you know, is, is that indicative of USC's defense? Like what's this? It was one of those sort of give and takes where it's like, all right, USC is about to put them away. Oh, have they really put them away? Okay. Now USC is back in front again. Like how did the balance of that competition go within this game? So one of the key things here was the time of possession, um, which is not an important stat in terms of like who dominates the game, but Notre Dame held the ball forever. They Which were trying the game to game plan. 
Yeah, they were yeah. trying to shorten this game. I, I think they ran I, – I put my notes together before the game went final, but at one point they had like 30 minutes and 46 plays. So, I mean, just – it's hard to pull away if you're not getting that many possessions in the ballgame. I think that was really a large part of it, right? And the fact that Notre Dame, they could move the football uh, on, on you and you really weren't stopping them a ton. Yeah, okay, so uh, 24 minutes on 52 plays is – like, long time. And, yeah, it was also like quite a bit before that. You know, obviously in the final, uh, like the final ten minutes of the game, they they they're trying to move faster. Yeah, I, I, this is another case where it's like I never thought Notre Dame was going to win the game. Like they they hung around and they didn't get blown out. And but it's it was twenty four seven USC halfway through the third quarter, and yeah. once they went up seventeen, it was like. Okay, game over. Notre Dame, even the way it was playing, you know, Drew Pine was had a, you know, hadn't thrown. I don't, I don't think his first incompletion was until the third quarter. But there was nothing Notre Dame was doing that made me think it was going to get into this game, unless Caleb Williams and USC did multiple very stupid things. Now there was a couple instances in the first half where I thought Caleb kind of just put the ball out there dangerously, and he got away with got it. Away with it yeah. They didn't pull it in, or it was just you know they weren't paying attention. That if if they make those plays, maybe this game goes differently. But once that didn't happen and they got to that third quarter, I was just like, okay, this is just going to be a will Notre Dame pull out a backdoor cover kind of effort. So the other thing I liked here from from USC was how well they ran the ball with Austin Jones. Right, Travis Dye is out for the year. Austin Jones, twenty five carries, one hundred fifty four yards, a long of twenty four. So this is not like hey, you had one explosive play that kind of masked inefficiency no like austin jones was consistently picking up yards for these dudes it was uh it was pretty impressive and i thought alex grinch for giving up 7.8 a play i thought he called it a, a pretty nice game he, he kept notre dame somewhat off balance and like mm-hmm. usc's personnel defensively is limited it it is what it is that they're gonna need caleb to do this thing every single game and and no offense nothing against die who i think is a very good player Lincoln Riley offense is every running back does well. It's it's not like, but you know what I'm saying? Like you've got Caleb Williams at quarterback. You've got to deal with that passing attack. Guess who's going to have a lot of open running lanes to deal with? Whoever the hell is running the ball. So if you're running their NIL budget, you're not spending a lot on running backs. You're saying no, no, I'm not. I'm investing in wide receivers and quarterbacks and corners (laughs) and some pass rushers. And that's it. No, your running back should just be the transfer portal where you're just offering an opportunity to yeah. get an NFL draft look. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey, hey, come here. You'll get enough touches and every like we'll have NFL scouts at every single game and you'll be able to get yourself a third round draft pick. Congratulations. Come to USC. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, man, we've got so much to get to, uh, but we need to hit the break. Coming up on the other side. So much more to get into, including some of those top 10 teams that fell. And, of course, our conference-by-conference whip-around of all the Week 13 action. Next. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing To grow in your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. 
With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So now can we talk about um, Texas A&M scoring 30 points? Look at that. First time since last before last Halloween. I was going to say, how are you able to watch USC Notre Dame over Maggie's screams? Yeah, she uh, she turned it off in the fourth quarter. She's like, <laughs> all right, um, whatever. You know, it, it's, it's it's been a good year. They didn't seem like they cared tonight. I don't know why. I tried to explain to her, like, not mansplaining, just like, babe, they might have just been looking ahead to Georgia. Who knows? Or they might have just not prepared well or – you know, got caught by AM. Their run fits were terrible for LSU. I mean, AM got healthier. AM had a good game plan. Clearly, Jimbo's offense is fixed and does not need a play caller, and they should keep him. Um, a chain was a total beast tonight. Just, I mean, yes. like he 38 carries. He's got to be draft eligible, right? Yes. So. Yeah. I mean, like if, if not, I'm just I, I, today. I was thinking about guys who should sit out if, if I was their agent. I'd be like, yeah, oh, my hamstring, Marvin Harrison. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Go, go visit that same doctor. Um, you know, and you get ruled out for the year. Uh, a chain, 38 carries for 215. I, I thought LSU was off balance most of the night. Uh, AM's offensive line just enough protection. Moose Muhammad, who pretty good. Probably shouldn't like not let that guy play against Auburn because he's wearing arm sleeves. What, what the hell was that? Still, um, and AM's defense, I thought kept uh, kept Daniels off balance. Man, he was terrible tonight. It's just as far as like, remember how he was kind of seeing ghosts early in the year, wasn't pulling the trigger at mm, just just a kind of a bad effort overall from LSU, and they got they got smoked 28-23, I think it was. Mm. Mm-hmm. Did it feel a little bit like a? Mm, like a ball don't lie for the Arkansas game. Yeah, I just I don't like. Yes. Well, well Harold Perkins saved them in the Arkansas game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I don't think LSU's. I mean, listen, I'm not. I want to. I got. I want to figure out how to say this. I'm not trying to take away anything LSU has done. I just don't think LSU is as good as its record. Because the West this year is pretty watered down. Like if you mm-hmm. look at who, like for instance, look who Ole Miss beat. And their best win is Troy, right? By far. Um, LSU is a good team. They're in that sort of cluster of teams between, to me, like for my own power ratings, like 11 to 25-ish, yeah. right? I mean, that's just kind of where they are. A&M, 
impressed me. That was good, right? Like m- maybe they can build on that for next year. Maybe I'll buy back into the hype. Um, that was that was solid. LSU only had 270 yards for garbage time, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did some cosmetic uh, fixing at the end there. Mm. Dis- disappointing. A lot of- Speaking of disappointing, before you go in to play on championship weekend, or if you want to take the other side of this, Shane Beamer has delivered top 10 wins in back-to-back weeks for the first time in program history. Decent. Boy, are you more? Uh, or which which side of that do you want to jump on, South Carolina or Clemson? Let's talk winners first. Okay, yeah. I mean, like South Carolina, I've ripped them before on the show because a lot of their wins are are BS, right? And I was like, look, blocking kicks and stuff is not sustainable skill. You're not going to do that season to season. You probably won't do that game to game. They outgained Clemson by almost 100 yards. Rattler was 25 of 39 for 360. They were clearly the better team in this game. They could have blown Clemson out if they didn't allow a safety and a pick six. So, honestly, like, pretty damn impressive effort from those guys back-to-back weeks. Something is clicking there. They're playing just enough defense. Clemson did run for two, like 240-ish uh, and, and could move the ball on the ground. They held DJ to 8 of 29 for 99 yards, which is insane. DJ should transfer, by the way. Like, I'd love to see what he could do at Washington or Oregon. I don't know if we're allowed to say stuff like that on the show, but like get the hell out of that Clemson offense while you still can. I, I remember that kid being a top recruit. He has a good arm. I'd like to see him with some better offensive coaching. So, um, you know, but like he's there right now and Clemson thinks he's the best guy. Maybe he is. South Carolina made him look bad. Great that win. Inter- that interception he threw was awful. Um, yeah, I tweeted the meme for Shane Beamer, the Shaq meme. I owe you an apology. I was not familiar with your game. Not really familiar with your game. Uh, Yeah. I mean, South Carolina, they're eight and four. They've beaten top 10 teams in back-to-back weeks. I think you look at Shane Beamer going in there last year. Like, I thought South Carolina had incredible preseason hype videos. I remember watching those things getting jacked up and ready to run through a wall. But I didn't have high expectations for him coming into the season. They got to the bowl last year. I thought they just kind of over overperformed their actual numbers and just kind of got lucky. And I was kind of thinking a lot of the same stuff this year. Then they go and do what they did to Tennessee, and then they follow it up by beating Clemson. And it's hard to beat two top 10 teams in a row with just straight luck. It's hard to go eight and four with just being lucky. If you're a South Carolina fan, obviously you've got to deal with the monster that is Georgia. But you can at least be optimistic that, like, hey, we might be able to make some noise in this division next year. As for Clemson, I don't even know what to say anymore that we haven't said them a million times. What do you mean? Like, that you can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and not expect different, like, results? You remember, like, before Jimmy Lake became Washington's head coach and he was still the defensive coordinator and he was still highly respected and he was talking about the Apple Cup every year or how much he loved Mike Leach because it was the same thing every year and you got to kind of just take the week off because you didn't have to prep. Thinking of yeah. Jimmy Lake a lot right now. So, um, Larry Williams of Tiger Illustrated shared this quote 
that Dabo Sweeney said in November of 2015. In November of 2015, the Clemson Tigers were sort of on the rise. You know, they they had not yet made, clinched their first college football playoff appearance. Dabo Sweeney was promising a pizza party if they did make the college football playoff. Uh, you know, the 2011 ACC championship was the first ACC championship in in 20 years. And Dabo Sweeney said, in the business world, you've got to look at the old bell curve of business. You've got to look at birth. You've got to look at growth. You've got to look at plateau. You've got to look at, you've got decline and you've got death. Those great businesses out there, those great programs, they don't plateau. So how do you do that? You have to constantly reinvent, reinvest, reset, learn, and grow. You change. You have to do that. You don't just change to change, but you have to always challenge yourself each and every year to make sure, okay, this is how we might have done it, but is it still the right way? At least ask those type of questions. I think every success, successful business and every consistent program, that's a mentality. You can't be satisfied because just as soon as you've arrived and you're satisfied, then you plateau and the next thing you know, you're on the decline. That's what Dabo Sweeney said before Clemson's first college football playoff appearance. I mean, Dabo says a lot of stuff he doesn't mean, right? Remember all the stuff about how he, he would quit if players got play, got paid? Um, and now, look, Clemson's becoming a much bigger NIL player very recently. So uh, my guess here is that he goes out and he tries to bring a couple new ideas into the program. And honestly, this is sort of a key difference between, between he and Fisher because he's not a play caller himself. They're, they should not be married – to one specific scheme here because the Clemson scheme is sort of a blend of a couple different influences, right? That they've had over the course of several years, Jeff Scott, Chad Morris, et cetera. There's no reason why it's not like he's giving up a part of his, his being if they go away from this specific offense. So um, I expect they'll bring in some stuff here to help them out. New ideas and fresh perspectives are good things. But it's just going to be Jeff Scott, right? I mean, no, they're going to fire Brandon Street. No, this is this is just us talking at twelve sixteen a.m. <laughs> Eastern time. So we're just a couple friends in a corner. This is nothing reported. This is nothing sourced. This is blowhard material. Okay, all of that out the window. Fire out a T-shirt. Fire, fire Brandon Streeter, and bring back Jeff Scott. Championships. All right. For sure. Season ticket test. If you're a season ticket holder and they run this same offensive coaching staff back, are you renewing? No. I don't know. They only I, pay no. 10 a year. I don't, don't want to watch Remember, they only pay 10 a year. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see, man. That's it. In in another in another universe, that Clemson North Carolina game is way more exciting <laughs> than if Clemson hadn't just lost to South Carolina and North Carolina wasn't coming in off of losing two straight. But, uh, oh, boy, that's got big, like, Wake Forest, Boston, Co no, excuse me, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, and Jacksonville kind of vibes to it. The ACC this year is, is terrible, man. Like, it, it's really bad. Can we just... 
I'd like to watch Jordan Travis play an extra game. Can we put Florida State in the ACC championship? Yes. <laughs> exactly. You know, somebody was like, let's, let's let Duke and Florida State Yeah, play. let's do that. Yeah. I, would, <laughs> I would rather watch Duke and Florida State right now than I would Clemson. Well, actually, the battle for coach mind. of the year. Yeah. I don't mind watching Drake May play another game, but it's just, it's, yeah. I, I, I don't really need to watch Clemson play another game right that, now. Yeah, that, well, that game, if, if you got FSU North Carolina, that would be like, 52-45. Because mm-hmm. every team with a pulse scores like crazy on Adam Fuller's defense for the Knowles, and Jordan Travis would light up North Carolina for however many he needed to light him up for. You want, you want to talk about Jordan Travis? I mean, just like while we're here. He was oh, just hey, hold on. amazing Yeah, in a way that like what Caleb Williams did as far as his capability stuff tonight, add an extra defender to that, and then basically he, he just ran out of it, and it was... That was like the major key in the game, his ability to escape. That was, it was incredible, right? Like he's a really, really good college quarterback. Um, he didn't get a lot of help from his receivers. I think he had five drops maybe from from Johnny Wilson alone. And that's not true, but like, I mean, Wilson was targeted like nine times and had like two or three catches. So he had to do it all by himself uh, with the help of his running backs and offensive line and did an awesome job. I, I really felt like, okay, as long as they have time, they will go down and score again on Florida. Like Florida's defense is bad. J- Jordan will go down there and score again. It's just, w- will they have time? W- will UF hold the ball long enough to spoil this? I won't lie. I remember the first time I saw Jordan start, Jordan Travis, my initial read was this is like a G5 all-star. Yeah. He's way out of his depth. He's improved a ton, man. I think he's, he's coming got, back, by the way. Yeah, he's gotten so much better. Yeah. Heisman. 2023 where's the ticket baby if he stays healthy he could yeah i just i mean listen i'm I'm stoking the fire i want as much hype as possible Let's don't go. you want to keep it down you want to get the odds good oh no oh no 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 I want oh that's right we got chip line value we, we yeah. want the worst possible, <laughs> worst possible number <laughs> um all right you want to go all right it might be actually the most sensible thing to do to just start going conference by conference here. Yeah. Sure. Does that makes sense. Just so that we can, because uh, instead of just trying to go game by game, that I don't want to make sure we miss anything. All right. So let's, uh, let, let's actually keep it in the ACC where we're there right now. Since we mentioned it, we had Florida State 45 38 over Florida. We just mentioned Jordan Travis, uh, NC State double overtime winner against North Carolina. We get the uh, all the ACC SEC battles. Uh, Kentucky gets the win over Louisville. South Carolina was, as we mentioned, gets the win over Clemson. Georgia gets a victory, a comeback victory uh, over uh, Georgia Tech after trailing seven nothing early in the game. Uh, Syracuse, Dagum near lost at Boston College, but found mm-hmm. a way to win late. Duke, as we mentioned, beats Wake Forest thirty four to thirty one. Duke finishes with a better record than Wake Forest this year. Hmm. Pitt goes on the road to Miami. Mario Cristobal will not be in a bowl game. I don't think he minds. Yeah, I don't think he cares. I mean, like that. I will. I, I do think that team quit on him though. So I'm interested to see. Like, can you get that locker room back? And the answer is probably like they'll clean house on the locker room, so it'll be a new locker room, and it won't really matter. Um, obviously, the recruiting class they have coming in is amazing. Their NIL game is, is off the charts because you have a billionaire bankrolling it. Uh, 
I do think something's going on at Wake. That Wake team doesn't look right to me. Like they, they don't, they're not having fun. Kind of makes you wonder, like, did they just, after Cuse blew that lead at Clemson, were they just like, ah, that's what we came back to do, right? Was was to win the ACC, and now these games are just kind of, I, I, I have questions about that. I also want to know, like, will Hartman go pro, or is he going to play at Florida or anywhere else that he's rumored to play next year? Um, did we get Chip's thoughts on on UNC? Like expanded thoughts? Um, are you keeping Chizik? Are you keeping the DB coaches? Well, I mean, Tom had a really. I mean, I know he was just talking smack, but like, it, you addressed me as if I care. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> You're like, well, one of us is a fan. I was like, I ain't a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Who? You must got me mistaken for somebody else. Uh, fi- find me investing emotions into a uh, into something like this. No, actually, um, the most fan corner of my mind is uh is that there's a <laughs> and this especially because remember north carolina lost in double overtime to nc state falling to five and two in the last seven against dave doran and did so on a missed chip shot field goal in double overtime that would have sent it to the triple overtime two-point conversions in which case it would have been drake may Dual threat Drake May against NC State Ben Finley. And it was also not the only missed chip shot field goal because North Carolina had multiple missed chip shot field goals. So there was a lot that happened in that game. Um, Also, like the you thought it was a touchdown, but then it was overruled. You thought it was a touchdown. It wasn't a touchdown. I mean, there was I think the last four minutes of that game took like 45 minutes to actually get through with all of the reviews and everything. And through all of that pain, I realized that that is what North Carolina fans will have to pay this year and next year and the year after that and the year after that and the year after that. And the question is, was it worth it? Because I think that joy that North Carolina fans experienced beating Mike Krzyzewski in Cameron Indoor Stadium and then beating Mike Shashevsky in the Final Four, defeating him in his final home game, and then defeating him in the final game of his career. You don't get that joy without a cost. You do not get to experience that and not have it come back. Have you heard of Dr. Faust? Do you understand <laughs> about Robert Johnson and the deal with the devil? I've had grown men tell me about weeping and saying that they felt like they could die that night in New Orleans because of how happy they were that North Carolina had beaten Duke when a championship wasn't even on the line. And that's what I thought of as North Carolina caught bad break after bad break. I was like, yeah, there might be a cost. <laughs> Got Faust references on tonight's reaction show. Wow, <laughs> had that on the bingo card. I, I can't really follow that up. I was going to make a joke, but I got nothing now. Do you think Narduzzi was disgusted that he had to score forty-two points tonight? That Miami, Miami just was like so quit factor that they, they allowed forty-two. He's like, God, 
almost 500 yards of offense. This is just well, no, it was 28 nothing at halftime. Yeah, 35 three in the third, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was just piling it on. Miami played Van Dyke again, mm. and they and he got hurt again. Like right, they're gonna have to do the thing where where the, you have the uh, the school radio announcer be like, now Mario. When a player is medically cleared, what does that mean? He's like, oh well, that means he's he's cleared to play in the game, like 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 they did after he played against Florida State and had a non-contact throwing injury, and everybody was asking questions like, really, like you let that kid play in the game? Uh, so anyway, let's we, we, we started with ACC is terrible, and then spent too much time in the ACC. Let's move to the Big Ten. Um, Iowa had a chat. I have no notes. I have one game. Like literally, if I if I share my screen, I have about a page on Ohio State, Michigan, and like that was the only Big Ten game I watched this weekend. So, Tom, if you oh, watched yeah. any, uh, oh, I watched it all. Come on, yeah. who are you talking to? Iowa had it all there, and boy, you just corned it real bad. Uh yeah, Nebraska twenty four seventeen over the Hawkeyes. Uh, we already mentioned Michigan and Ohio State extensively. Maryland rounds out its season with a, a thumping of Rutgers, thirty seven nothing. Penn State finishes with ten regular season wins for the fourth time since twenty sixteen. Not bad. Thirty five to few years. Yeah, yeah, thirty five to sixteen winners against Michigan State. The Fighting Illini, 41-3 against Northwestern. The Wildcats finish with zero wins on American soil in the 2022 college football season. Uh, Minnesota wins 23-16 against Wisconsin. And Purdue secures the Big Ten West with a 30-16 victory at Indiana. Thoughts on the Big Ten? Uh, did you know that Illinois has outscored Northwestern 88 to 17 the last two years? That makes me happy. I don't know if it, I just want to make sure if case anybody wasn't aware of that, that, that was the case. Uh, it was, I can't believe Iowa lost to Nebraska, although I can totally believe Iowa lost to Nebraska, but I, I went into the weekend thinking Iowa's going to beat Nebraska. There's going to be absolutely no stakes in the big 10 West come Saturday. Iowa obviously wanted to do what good teams do and help some television ratings. So it lost, and then Purdue beat Indiana after Indiana jumped out to a 7 nothing lead to get my hopes up. But, yeah, so Purdue is your Big Ten West champion. I, I don't think they're going to do much against Michigan next week, but, you know, Blake Corum, is, I, don't th- I think Blake Corum might be done for the year. Maybe, oh. like, if they get to the playoff, maybe he's back. But that was a very large brace he was wearing on his knee today, and when he tried to cut, because one of the things that makes Blake Corum Blake Corum is his ability to change direction really quickly and explode was not there at all. So I, I've, I have serious concerns about his availability. But even then, I, I just don't know that Purdue can do it. Um, Minnesota. You, oh, go. Oh, I just on Iowa, I mean, 274 yards against Nebraska's defense is, is terrible. Like Nebraska's defense is horrid, guys. It, it when you can't score, you could lose to anybody. I, I, I almost want to say that it's important to point out that Spencer Petrus got hurt, but then I realize I'm proposing the idea that that would have mattered. So yeah, no, I, it, they, they completely blew it. I, I don't know. It's when you play the way that they play. 
and the other team doesn't turn the ball over a bunch of times and doesn't make a bunch of bad mistakes, you put yourself at risk. And that's what they did, and they paid the price for it. They play on the margins all year. They live dangerously, and they got caught. Uh, I thought Minnesota today was very impressive. Beating Wisconsin, getting the axe. They're 8-4, and four, another strong year for P.J. Fleck. I thought Illinois looked really good today. All jokes aside about being a homer, they were dominant. The defense was fantastic. Sidney Brown returned a fumble for a touchdown and an interception for a touchdown within 90 seconds of one another. He's the only player in the country to do that this year in an FBS game. They forced six turnovers, just completely dominated. Now, I think Northwestern was down to like its fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth string quarterback at times, but still. Uh, And then Maryland. I mean, I didn't see a ton of the game because they completely dominated Rutgers. That's a nice finish for them to just kind of do what you should be doing to Rutgers because that was that was the kind of game where they were already bowl eligible. I was kind of wondering would they kind of just come up all sleepy and just not play very well. They just dominated from start to finish. And Chip, you mentioned Penn State getting to 10 wins. After the two seasons that Penn State has had, I feel like James Franklin and that program really needed it. And, I mean, they might be in a New Year's Six bowl game because of it. That's kind of where I was at. I was like, wait a second. We were really like, obviously the 2020 season, you were just, um, you know, over the top being like, oh, okay, we can, we can write this off. And then they go, um, you know, seven and six. And you're like, well, you know, they had this issue and this issue and this issue. They delivered, man. I mean, it stinks that you'd lost to those two teams that if you're a Penn state fan, you wish you'd played better against, but you beat everybody else. And a lot of them by pretty lopsided margins. So it, if, Penn State wins its bowl game, it will be a top 10 team in the final polls, and that will again be another top 10 finish for James Franklin since 2016. (coughs) Impressive stuff, no doubt. Coming up on the other side, more takeaways from the Big 12, SEC, Pac-12, and our projection for the new top 25 rankings next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, in the Big 12, did Texas Tech end up winning? Let's see. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, did you see how this went down? No, I didn't see the end of it. I didn't catch overtime. Okay, so um, goes to overtime. They run a pass from Drake Stoops to Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel gets like lights out. Oh, it was... Like I, I miss big hits like that, right? Back when you could really hit people in the sport, that was a great hit. It was on his throwing shoulder, and uh, they did not sc- score 
in overtime. I guess he missed the field goal, right, Tom? I I, I had to mm-hmm. hit the, yeah yeah, and then Texas Tech made their field goal. You can't let Texas Tech hang around. I saw Stu Mandel trolled him by the way. He's like, I guess I shouldn't have predicted Oklahoma to go seven and five because they went six and six. Um, TBOW, right? TBOW. Mm-hmm. Um, I I tweeted it just before the show started. I said to summarize, Caleb Williams is on the verge of winning a Heisman. Lincoln Riley is on the verge of winning the Pac-12 and reaching the college football playoff. Spencer Rattler beat Tennessee and Clemson in consecutive weeks, and South Carolina's eight and four. And Oklahoma lost to Texas Tech in overtime to finish six and six. Mm. Uh, elsewhere, weirdest box score you'll ever see for a sixty-two to fourteen win. <laughs> like they had about the same amount of yards, just a, a ton of short fields, defensive scores for TCU. You know, Iowa State's offense is pretty bad. Apparently, there were like some words or something between like a fan, I guess, last game. Somebody was tweeting about us about this. I, I didn't see the incident. I don't know. I'm not really too in on like the should Iowa State get a new OC conspiracy thing. To me, it's it's I don't know. I love our Iowa State listeners. I just I don't expect Iowa State to go to bowl every year. Like to me, that's not realistic. And this is just kind of one of the down cycles. Never mind. You don't. You don't want to be in my head when I was sitting there. Like, all right, come on. Then maybe the backup quarterback is going to give him a little spark. <laughs> come on. You can. You can. You can. You can give me three touchdowns in the second half. Come on. Let's see what you got. No. And then another missed field goal. I, I know our friend. Uh, I know our friend Parker. Stats of War. He loves to talk about Iowa State special teams because they are special. And a uh, couple missed field goals, a lot of missed points uh, on the board in addition to the the special teams errors that the Cyclones had today against TCU, 62-14. to 14, uh, Incredibly, incredibly lopsided. Kansas it, State. Oh, wait, go ahead. Oh, uh, no, go, go Kansas State first. Apologies. Yeah, Kansas State locks up spot in the Big 12 championship game, 47-27 to 27 against Kansas. Uh, they jumped all over the Jayhawks early. Jayhawks showed a little bit of spunk, I guess. Uh, you know, and then event, I mean, it wasn't, wasn't really too much of a competition in the second half. Uh, I, I didn't get any eyes on this one. The Sunflower Showdown. I was watching the first quarter, but once Kansas State kind of just jumped out to the huge lead, I bailed on it for the most part but yeah no it's that's an interesting big 12 title game because you got to remember tcu beat kansas state but that was when adrian martinez got knocked out of the game will howard came in he got knocked out of the game kansas state now with will howard as a starter at full strength i think that's going to be a very interesting conference championship who is favored in that game tcu i think tcu but it's not good i think most people are going to be very surprised by how short the number is I would say it will, if, if TCU is favored, and I'm not convinced they will be, it'll be less than a field goal. Yeah. TCU. Um, I'll take TCU, but yeah. West Virginia. That team is fighting for Neil Brown, baby. Are you really going to fire Neil Brown? So I don't think we need to have the conversation on Mike Gundy right yet because of how many injuries that team has had. But is... I think next year is going to be important for those guys. I really do. Just in terms of like how the sport is changing. Is he going to change around it? All that kind of stuff. I also think, too, like with Oklahoma and Texas leaving, I wonder 
what the expectations are going to be. Did you see his quotes in the post game? No. Mm-mm. Uh, let me make sure. So uh, Cody Nagel uh, of our awesome you know GoPokes two four seven site posted these uh, on APS conversations in the coming days with players on their decision to return or not. Quote: No, I don't have those conversations. A little bit different times today. These players have conversations with their family and their representatives, and at some point they'll let us know two, three weeks from now probably. I don't get involved in those conversations on why he doesn't get involved in those conversations. I mean, what am I going to say? It's their future. It's their career. They, they'll they have a representative. They'll have family members that have thoughts on what they want to do. The head coach is not really a factor in that. I mean, my guess is that he's just being salty because his team got really injured in the back half and it had a – like they could have won the Big Twelve in theory, right? If they had not gotten gotten hurt, they they had some nice wins early on. They had the road win over Baylor. If he's actually like truly believing that, then he ain't long for college football. All right, hold sport, on. The sport's like, not going back. Wait, you you might be true. I mean, you might be correct there. But reckless counter, Mike Gundy does seem like the coach that says, "You give me any eleven, I'll figure it out." Fair. I'm just saying he's, he's he sounding really like, like a guy who's consulting guys, for Texas now as opposed to being a head coach. Do you do you guys do you guys wanna do you guys wanna come out and play? All right, show, tell me who shows up and then I'll I'll put the scheme around. I'll figure it out after that. Like that kind of uh that kind of mentality seems seems like where Mike Gundy's at right now at this point in his career. That he is not in the business of trying to woo somebody into staying around. He is much more like, eh, well, I mean, if you want to yeah, if you want to come, sure. I think that's fair. Just gonna play ball. Yeah, it was like I mean, I'm just I'm just here to coach football. What's what's the big deal here? Um, all right, let's go to the SEC. We already got into Texas AM over LSU. I don't know if there's much to take out of Georgia over Georgia Tech. Missouri gets a win over Arkansas. Uh, we already talked about Florida State getting it done over Florida, Mississippi State over Ole Miss. Jeez, oh man, we're sixty-five minutes into this. We're not. Maybe we should save most coaching stuff. I mean, yeah, let's save the coaching stuff for Monday. Okay, we haven't even discussed the Iron Bowl yet. We're sixty-five minutes in. I didn't have any notes on it. Wasn't a whole lot of notes to take. Alabama better than Auburn. Egg Bowl, great job by Zach Arnett and Mississippi State defense for about the last forty-five minutes of that ball game. Um, Mississippi State finding ways to win, running the ball. Just enough. I thought that was good. Also, want to give a shout out to Missouri. Bowl eligible. I mean, I think of Missouri as sort of like uh, not a Rutgers, but somewhere between like a Rutgers and a Maryland in terms of like where they are within the SEC. And I feel like like they're they're probably not going to reach the heights they had earlier going to those two conference title games very often. But beating Arkansas. They've kind of owned Arkansas lately. That's impressive. And they, they got back to bowl eligibility. The win at South Carolina looks better every, every year. And so Brady Cook apparently can run the ball a lot. Like I know he scrambled around with Tennessee. A buck 38 on the ground against Arkansas, that's that's quality. Yeah, I don't think Eli was in any trouble, but I think getting to a bowl game is good for him. It's just good yeah. for the program right now. A hundred percent. Alpha Nerd coming in with a big win. All right, we already got a bunch of likes on this video right now. How about this? Ton of y'all are watching right now on YouTube. I see y'all watching. Here's the deal. We can get this up to 300 likes. We will give away five. 
Jordan, thumbs up. Five. Can we, can we go five? More? You want to give ten. away ten? Yeah, we will give away ten Paramount Plus thirty day free trials. You can have a premium plan to Paramount Plus. If we can get this up to 300 likes on the video on YouTube right now, you get it up to 300. We will give away. Uh, there it is. <laughs> All right. Well, drop drop your handles in the chat. We might even give away more. That's awesome. I really appreciate y'all. And keep liking the video. Uh, that's a, that's a, That was an incredible response right there. Drop your handles in the chat, your Twitter handles. Make sure you're following Cover 3 Podcast. We're giving away 10 Paramount Plus 30-day premium plan, free trials. Uh, we will get in, tr in touch with you. Again, drop your Twitter handles in the chat and make sure you're following the Cover 3 podcast on Twitter so that we can send you a DM. A uh, few 10 lucky winners who are watching us live. Uh, love love the uh, love the instant reaction audience. Always. always Hate to stay up late. Oh, this, is, this is why you do it. Um, since, since Jordan's feeling so generous... How about 56 nothing for the... I mean, heartbreak for Queen Latifah, which went 0-2 in the week. But the Vols, 10-2 for the first time since 2003 in the regular season. Or 10 wins, excuse me. 10 wins in the regular season for the first time since 2003. Uh, and with the 56 to nothing win over Vanderbilt, they avoid the upset. And uh, I say they avoid the upset like that was... They were 14 and a half point favorites, but a get right win for them. Kentucky 26 to 13 against Louisville. Uh, we, we said the iron bowl, I was on the iron bowl halftime show and the, you know, the things that stood out to me probably were, you know, mostly since we knew that this was going to be probably Bryce Young's, you know, like, as we said in the pregame show, it was cool to see him get out there and, and he was under duress a lot from that Auburn pass rush early in this game, came up with some big throws, came up with some big plays. He finishes with 343 yards and three touchdowns, but Auburn made too many mistakes. Auburn had uh, special teams errors. Auburn had pre-snap penalties. It, it was just not clicking for the Tigers to be able to go in there and pull off the upset in Bryant Denny stadium. Uh, anything else from the sec before we move on to the pack 12. All right. So the Apple Cup is still at halftime right now. BYU is up 28-12 against Stanford. We already got USC over Notre Dame. Uh, oh, yeah, Oregon State, 38-34. Whoops. <laughs> this was a great game. Yeah. Uh, Oregon State did not throw a pass on their final four drives, all of which ended in touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Man ball. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is the first time this year that I can recall that Oregon actually got run on because Oregon State's passing game still is, is, is pretty terrible. It's one of the reasons why I liked Oregon in the matchup, right? Like, decent run defense, terrible pass defense. Oregon State really can't throw the ball. They tried to throw a little bit early in this one, and eventually they were just like, screw it. We'll just run the ball every time. This was a game in which I thought not having the threat of Bo Nix's legs on the ground as much uh, really did kind of matter. Uh, he also didn't play as well as he did last week. I know the numbers are overall better, but I, I felt like some of the decision-making you know, that, that he had there was off. Uh, 
I mean, erasing a thirty-one you know, ten deficit is pretty impressive. Tom and I are supposed to argue about whether you should have yeah. gone for it on fourth down. Um, if you look at the math, it's really just a coin flip on it. Yeah. It's kind of personal preference. Yeah, I was just making. I again, I was just joking about what we were arguing about a couple weeks ago. But yeah, I, I don't know if I would have done it. I didn't wasn't mad about it. I think the problem more like you talked about Nix's decision making. I think Bo Nix on one leg decided to keep that was probably the worst thing about that play. If you only have one leg, you really need to only keep the ball if it's just wide, wide open. Yeah, and like it was last week against Utah. Mm-hmm. Right. If 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 anybody's hanging out watching you, don't keep the ball. Yeah. Wait, is that uh, is the Justin? I mean, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not trying to like hijack this, but is the Justin Kramer in the chat right now? The one who said he was going to light stuff on fire? Yes, it is. Oh, Justin, what's up? I want to know what you were lighting on fire if your wife is still okay. He t- Justin Kramer, uh, what's up? Everybody who's in the chat, say hey to Justin and, and say I'm sorry. He he told us that. Uh, let's see. He said he, he was going to go light some stuff on fire. It was a tough, tough day for the Ducks fans. He's probably um, going to get divorced watching us. Yeah. But, you know, listen, Justin's wife, it's okay. It's just that the fact that he is passionate shows that he has the passion, you know? And that's a good thing. You, you want to know that that passion is there. It's all right, that's Justin. It. It'll be that okay. Spark, that spark is what keeps the relationship alive. And that spark is also what can light the garage on fire. Things <laughs> <laughs> no. get out of control when we're setting things on fire with our uh, with our anger after losing the Oregon State. Oh, uh, shoot! What what's the name of the of Arizona State? Arizona territorial, territorial cup. Excuse me. Yeah, that was a pretty pretty fun game. If if you like some offense, so just kind of. Dumbassery at the end with 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 personal fouls and whatnot. Feisty. Yeah, um, but Arizona does get it done. Don't cover. Mm, disappointing there, <laughs> but uh, that that was that was pretty good. Utah Colorado was terrible. Uh, yes, Shroud was out for, uh, for for Colorado, so that went about as you, you would expect it to go. UCLA Cal was kind of fun. Like, yeah, like. UCLA was kind of hungover, but kind of not. And UCLA was kind of treating this like they had a bigger lead than, than they actually did, I thought. And then Cal came back and took the lead, and UCLA is like, oh, well, no, actually, we're, we're not going to lose to Cal. So they, they go down and get a score. Uh, hey, guys, we are now officially closed out on our season win totals, and the show went 29 and 13. Nice. So decent. We yeah. got to do better next year. Come on. Yeah. Better than that. All the money I won, all the money I lost on my locks for the year, I got some of it back with my win total. So, yeah, I'm breaking even. <laughs> did you see UTEP? I almost hit it. Oh, how did they blow that? Because I stopped. I thought UTEP was going to win that game, and I stopped paying attention. I saw UTSA won by three. They threw a pick six. Harris came back in the game, and I was like, oh, well, if Harris is going to play, then. Because Harris rolled his ankle on a non-contact, uh, like, you know, ankle roll earlier, and then he was out for a little while, came back. Oh, um, Boston College Cuse was the one we didn't hit. Did you see this? Cuse had a 27-point fourth quarter to come back and win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. I put it, I mean, it was 
because they started six and zero, and if they had gone zero and six to finish the year, that would have gone. One of my, uh, I I I don't know which one of you put this in my head, but the the term "water finds its level" has been like a real like sort of resonant term for me over the back half of the season. And that would have gone too far. Like that's not water finding its level. Like that's going six and zero and zero and six is like is is something wrong? Should we look under the hood and be a little bit concerned about that? And losing to Boston College at the very end of the season that would have at least required some investigation. So I would say that the fact that they avoided that by whatever means necessary is encouraging. If you are a Syracuse fan. I, I did say when they were 5-0 and of all the 5-0 and teams at the time, they were the most likely to miss out on a bowl game. Came kind of close. They are playing exactly like I thought they would play this year because they have no depth. So when they lose a couple guys or get a couple, like their stars banged, they are not able to really hang. And that was that was good to see. They actually like fought through it. And the uh, wasn't that the old St. Peter's dude that slapped? Oh, dang. Third college basketball reference. Did y'all see that? The, no. the slap fight in the no. Bryant. Oh, never mind. The, what are you uh, doing, Dirt, with your time, buddy? What are you watching over there? Oh, is it? I am actually following. I was following a lot of Syracuse. The problem is when you're trying to follow Syracuse news and information on a day like today, <laughs> uh, yeah. you get inundated with all this basketball talk and you're trying to find. I, I can't put Syracuse Boston College on a screen. I don't have that many screens. <laughs> Gotta follow that information else. All right. That's a new game we could play. Make a note of that for next year for our preview shows. How many screens? How many screens did you have to have to watch this game? <laughs> yeah. Do we need to do uh top 25? All right. So trying to project how the new top 25 will look on Sunday. Of course, it is not going to be exactly the way that the college football playoff rankings will look, but especially now that we've got 12 regular season results in the books, there's not going to be too much change over. Uh, I think that here's a question. Gentlemen, where do you think Ohio State falls? No and, further and than five. Right. But behind yeah. USC? Yeah. Yeah. I really hope so. They better. I mean... See, they lost Uh, lost by 22 uh, at home to a team without its best player. So I, I think that Ohio state USC at number four is the first interesting spot. I would be disappointed if Ohio state's at four and USC's at five, but considering Ohio state had a first place vote last week, who knows? Maybe that doesn't uh, that doesn't end up being the case. But me, we'll go ahead. Let me pose you this question, there, Chip. What are the odds Michigan takes over the number one spot, seeing as how it's going to have two, three score wins over top ten teams, and Georgia's going to have one win over a top ten team? It's interesting you say that. I do believe Michigan will have first place votes. I do not. I think that poll inertia will prevent enough first place votes to move over to Michigan to lead to a total changeover. I wonder if the CFP committee will feel the same. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, that's the thing is like 13 committee members versus 64 voters. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it's a very different math to try and figure out. You know, so many poll voters are like, well, you didn't do anything for me to take you out. So you stay there. And I think that that's why Georgia will be number one. But a Georgia-Michigan number one debate, not not opposed to it. <coughs> uh, um, I don't think Clemson will far that will fall that far. Still a ten and two team, and everybody else below them lost. Yeah, I mean, will they fall below Notre Dame? No. Oregon? No. LSU just took its third loss. Oregon just took its yeah. third loss. Uh, LSU stays ranked, you think? Yes. Well, it'll stay ranked, but I don't know if it'll be in the I top. Mean, well, here's the big the biggest question is where will Texas A&M be ranked? That I think true. I think South Carolina gets in from outside the top 25 at number 21. Kentucky's got to be in, right? Clearly. No. Uh, they beat a ranked Louisville chip. Mississippi State. Swapping with Ole Miss, maybe? Louisville was not ranked in the AP poll. Hmm. AP voters didn't like the cards. AP voters what did like... What does the AP poll do every week? But the AP poll did like the Tar Heels, had them at number 18. They will drop the Tar Heels out. Who will they move in? The, NC, the NC State Wolfpack. Ooh. I wonder, yeah. if, I wonder if Illinois can get back in there. Come on, guys. UTSA? UT, I, they were yeah. close last week. Yeah, they were close last week. I've got them in at 24. Cincinnati might fall out. I left them in at 25. We'll see. That's I my least. They do. Yes. Yeah, like that team's not good. I, I understand what you said, but they've got two close losses to other teams that are also ranked. We're going to have an, a ranked nine and three G5 team. What a time to be alive. Well, UCF was ranked at eight and three last week. Yeah. UCF almost blew that game today. Did you see that? UCF did not win that game. That guy was not in bounds. I have no idea what the hell they ruled that. Yeah, that that was an odd call. I agree. (laughs) That kid was not in bounds. That was not a catch. It was really cool, but it was not a legal catch. That was, you know, the internet always says there should be a part of the rule book that says if it looks sweet, then it should be good. I think that the American Athletic Conference is using the internet's rules of officiating. <laughs> if they had lost, does Cincinnati go? Yeah, Cincinnati goes to the championship game if if UCF loses that game. It's a t- it's a rematch for Tulane. Yeah. Oh, I'm just thinking though from like the USF perspective. Think about it. That's probably the last Warren I four, and you lose on that catch, which wasn't even a catch. Like that's gonna be. Yeah. I'm gonna be kind of pissed about that for a while. <laughs> I've got Oregon State as one of the biggest movers up, 22 to 16. Maybe could be higher, but you've got you know they're a nine and three team where you uh you've you've got no bad losses, but you've got losses to USC, Utah, and Washington. And as you know, uh, as you've got Utah sitting there around 13. Washington currently in action right now. Uh, Utah, you know, they, they could maybe climb higher. I don't know. Those those three lost teams right there in the middle of the rankings, it's all, all sort of a jumble right now. So Do they drop Coastal, Chip? Yeah, 100%. Okay. Coastal got blasted. You can't, yeah, I mean, like, you're just that hanging was just kind of one of those getting ready for next week games. Yeah, but vote, voters ain't going to – like, if you only had enough, like, voter support to be – on the final slot of ballots and then you get blasted, then 
you're not gonna you're not gonna be in for the next week. Uh, I don't think so. Makes sense. Washington could sneak into the top ten this week if they win this game, don't you think? Yeah, I've, I mean, like, so I have to turn it in for the first publish before, or like, before the commercial break of, the, of our first. <laughs> um, and yeah, I've got Washington as a placeholder right now at number ten. So, Huskies, if they hold on for a win, uh, will be in the top ten. And Huskies, if they hold on for a win, will make me zero and nine in the cover three lots <laughs> this week. Wait, did did Tom catch you? No. No, we still got championship week before the season's a wrap. Okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I had a losing week too, so it's it was. Uh, if I would have had a good week, I could have caught him. So I mean, this is gonna keep me up at night for weeks. Did Danny win? Danny went five and four. Huh. So yeah, no, I think I think after this week, you are going to be the only one of the four of us in the in the black. And I'm not going to have a winning week. I mean, I'm be like, well, if BYU can hold on to this, did you see this Pac-12 officiating? Uh, almost said the F word on our show. That would have been bad. I don't want to make Chip or, or Jordan edit this thing. Like the Pac-12 refs, go, go watch the end of half sequence. There, they basically like for no reason allowed Stanford to kick a field goal when Sanford didn't have any timeouts, it was, uh, mm, it was weird. And there's now students chanting fire David Shaw. It's called charity. You don't have to fire David Shaw. If he leaves to take an NFL offensive coordinator job. For sure. David Shaw is going to reunite with Davis mills next year with the Houston Texans. (laughs) We got angry, angry Big Ten West fans discussing how much time we we spend discussing the ACC chip. You know, the thing is, the ACC is not a good league this year. It's more interesting than the Big Ten West. Disagree. Right. Like, we play different style. Like, we suck in different ways. Okay? Some of us can play offense and no defense. Some of us can play defense and no offense. It's not like everybody can't score. Oh no, I'm I th- I think the difference is I'm just I I'm being honest about what I saw. I'm just not going to show up to this podcast and and read off a box score and I just didn't watch Minnesota play football today. So I'm not going to show up to the podcast. I watched the final sequence. They had like 30 yard Wisconsin had like 30 <laughs> yards in penalties. Oh my god, they had a yeah, goal was from like the dumb. 40. The yeah. end of that game was yeah. so dumb. Anyways, the Big Ten West is so much better than the ACC. It's so much more entertaining than the ACC. And I know a team that They're scored 41. I know a team today that scored 41 points and only allowed three. So I feel like they're good on both sides of the ball. So All right. hmm. Northwestern, are they the worst P5 team or is it Stanford or Colorado? Colorado. Colorado's worse than Northwestern. Not by a whole lot, but Colorado. That's a very bad football team. That is... I don't know. Like, if you put Colorado in the Mountain West, I don't know if it's going bowling this year. Would Northwestern go bowling in the Mountain West? I don't know. Probably depends on the non-con. Yeah. Not if they got to play the Big Ten in America. (laughs) In America. (laughs) All right, so as we mentioned, we've got uh, 
It seems like Hugh Freeze is going to Auburn. It seems like we've got Kenny Dillingham uh, headed to Arizona State. It seems like Lane Kiffin is staying at Ole Miss. It seems, is there any other like sort of big coaching pieces that move today? I think we'll see an absolute ton of coordinator stuff. Okay. How many people are getting fired tomorrow? I don't know. Like, here's one. We didn't talk. Um, Houston lost to Tulsa. Yeah, I was going to bring this up. Is Dana in trouble? And one of their players hit one of the Tulsa kids too. I didn't. He's. I didn't see that. Like, like this, oh. like, like a slap. Like, like he didn't, he didn't punch him. But oh, like, okay. it was, you know, post game stuff. Um. Oh, is I Dion mean, actually going to Colorado? Okay, weird situation there. He's been offered the job. Jackson State season is over based on everything I know about it, and he hasn't taken it. Unless he's going to wait till after the celebration bowl. Are they going to wait that long? When's the celebration bowl? It's not for like another three or four weeks, right? I mean, it wouldn't be good for your early signing period. And wouldn't no. you be getting him for your recruiting class? Oh, yeah, Willie Tiger out at FAU. There we go. Yeah. Willie Tiger got canned. Where's mm. FAU going? Late. <laughs> <laughs> Making a late run. <laughs> hey, late. Maybe come back. I think late. honestly, like what happened there was FAU is pretty cheap. And now that FSU is is done paying the majority of Willie's salary, they're like, okay, we'll we'll go get somebody new. Because this was like this was the last year of them paying most of Willie's salary. <laughs> mm. Got it. Whew. All right. Well, uh, if if there is uh, if, if there's something massive that hits on Sunday, then we might be back. If not, we will be back on Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time for Upon Further Review. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Finelli. You can follow him on Twitter at Bud Elliott 3 You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Let's go. It is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.